Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. Long before there's been this more recent movement of uh, empowering women, which is really wonderful, but we had to figure out, you know, how to deal with that. And so that's been very challenging. But I think that I've successfully navigated it. And I try to pass that on to, you know, any of the women that I'm in contact with. Today's Women in Tech shout out goes to Agita with Startup Wise Guys, empowering startups to grow in Latvia, in Europe. She is just an amazing champion of women in tech. Be sure to say hello to her on LinkedIn. That's E-G-I-T-A, last name P-O-L-A-N-S-K-A. Let her know you found her via the Women in Tech podcast. If you too want to connect and collaborate with more incredible women in tech, remember you can go to the Women in Tech Facebook group at womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. We're so proud of what we've created with the Women in Tech podcast. To support us in our journey to celebrating women in tech around the world, go to womenintech.fm and click on the donation link on the right side of the page. That's womenintech.fm. The donation link is the top right side of the page. We really appreciate you being a part of our journey and we look forward to celebrating so many more women to come. I think today's personal spot is about creating space and organization and letting go and doing my best not to control. So hard as a founder not to want to control the outcomes and think as though like the delusion that I even have control in the first place. I've been spending a lot of time organizing. I unloaded, as you know, I moved offices, unloaded all my storage rooms, and I've been having this amazing guy, definitely check him out, Brandon Reed on Instagram, come and help me organize everything. Brandon has just been a blessing. His Instagram is B-R-A-N-D-O-N-M as in Mary, R-E-A-D, Brandon M. Reed. Such a professional I found him via TaskRabbit and he has just like been powering through, making sure that everything could be ready and great for me before I go on this women in tech tour to Kazakhstan and Belarus, Lithuania, um, the Ukraine, Uzbekistan, and then Toronto, Canada with Red Bull. And it's been hard. And the European um, portion of the trip is with Seed Stars and with Baltic Sandbox. It's just been hard preparing. Today is the day where it's like, you know, game time. And I am, I'm nervous about going. (sighs) I'm nervous. I mean, I'm excited to go, but I also just want to like curate my life here in Los Angeles and everything feels so evolving. I keep using the term I'm evolving from the discomfort and I just haven't completed the evolving process yet, but maybe all of life is evolving and and there's nothing to complete necessarily. It's just about putting one foot in front of the other. 
I want to make time to see my mom today and I don't know if I'll have time and that like really bums me out and I've just been doing the best with my space and time and choices but it just feels like even my best I'm just not figuring it out quick enough and uh, I hope I hope that end of year in 2020 bring to me just so much clarity and understanding of how the purpose of this podcast and the other work that I do has been influencing the community. And I guess in 2020, I just hope everything makes sense. <laughs> I just hope everything makes sense. Anyway, I'm going to go with that because I have so much left to do, but I hope you enjoy the next episode. Celebrating women in tech around the world. So excited to be here with Sivan. Hello. Hi, Esprit. Really exciting to be here in Los Angeles. Rarely do we get to do women in tech interviews in Los Angeles. So thank you for spending the time in our new studio. It's the very first 30 minutes of being in the new place. I'm glad to be your first guest. That's exciting for me, too. It's crazy. Um, okay, so go ahead. Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Uh, my name is Sivan Cohen. I am a civil engineer, construction manager, and also CEO of Noria Water Technologies, which is a water technology company uh, based here in Los Angeles. And what does Noria Technologies do? Noria Water Technologies, we're an industrial technology company. So what we're actually doing is uh, optimizing all different kinds of industrial processes um, using machine learning and AI uh, and in different types of advanced technologies. And when did you first fall in love with technology? Um, it really comes from wanting to break down really uh, technical concepts and very highly uh, difficult, um, challenging concepts and bring them to a, a consumer or industrial type level. Uh, I did that before when I was working in construction management. How do you break down all of these very complicated engineering drawings and uh, concepts and, and backgrounds and then uh, be able to translate that to work with people to actually build a building, for example. Um, there's a lot of different steps and a lot of different players involved. And you have to be really good at communicating, uh, at translating between not only languages, but uh, you know, between math and science and different types of slang that are used in the field as opposed to in an engineering office. Did you notice that you had an interest in technology as a kid? I really loved art and I really loved math and science. So it was always kind of the bridging together of, of these two. Uh, and that uh, really brought me to the point where I decided to become an engineer, uh, worked as a construction manager, went from that to uh, moving to Israel where I became part of uh, industrial IOT company. Wait, wait, wait. You went from little girl to industrial IOT company? <laughs> like, I don't know how you did that, like at yeah. warp speed. But when did you decide to start studying engineering and where did you go and, and how did you make that choice? When I was growing up, uh, my father is a professor of chemical engineering. Uh, so I grew up really uh, being around the academy and being around uh, UCLA growing up here in Los Angeles uh, and always having uh, different uh, professors, engineers, um, very advanced uh, technical people in our house at our dinner table. And so I was really introduced to that from a very young age. Uh, my parents gave me blocks to play with and you know used to build them and, and uh, really look at buildings and be interested in just how the world around us is really formed and who are the people that actually do that. Because I think so often we're presented with uh, only a few different career choices, a doctor, lawyer, uh, engineer, and you don't know that there's all of these 
uh, hundreds and thousands of different types of professions that, that you could go into. So I can't say that I knew that I wanted to go into tech as a young child. I didn't know that that was really an option, but right. I did figure it out along the way. And that's why I think that it's so important to expose people in general and particularly women um, to the options that are available to you. And how did you find the company that you're with today? Uh, had you been a CEO in the past? Uh, I had not. I had been the first full-time employee of a startup company before, so really working with the two uh, co-founders to bring a technology from a prototype stage uh, through seed, series A, series B funding, uh, growing the company uh, into a global brand. Um, but uh, this is my first experience as actually the CEO of the company making all of those strategic decisions myself. And, this, and the startup before, what did they do? Uh, it was an industrial IoT company. That oh, that's the one yeah, you laser yeah, warped yeah, that to. <laughs> I laser to at the beginning of the conversation. And then in becoming a CEO, was there any hesitation for you, any block that you had to overcome internally in order to prepare yourself for the role or to believe in yourself that, yeah, I got this? Uh, I think I really built up to it, to be quite honest. Um, my first roles that I took out of college were roles where uh, they were within very large organizations, so I was able to take on uh, take on jobs with a lot of risk. Uh, but you know, really messing up on the dime of somebody else, not on, not on my not of myself or my own bank account. And from there, uh, took on roles that increased in scope, but also decreased in terms of the size of the company, um, so that the decisions I was making did have more and more uh, impact. So by the time uh, I got to to this uh, position. Uh, I really did feel that I had a really solid um, base of knowledge to be able to move into the role, but also learning to know what you don't know, to be comfortable with failure, uh, and to really use your resources, your mentors, people around you, uh, and to not be afraid to get help. Uh, how can you become comfortable with failure? What does that mean to you, and where did you learn how to do that? Well, I remember uh, being in college and uh, there was a, just a really bad joke. I'm not sure if this is <laughs> funny, but uh, as a civil engineer, which was my training, um, one of my professors, I remember telling us, said that, uh, what's the difference between a doctor and a civil engineer? And they said, um, a doctor can only kill one person at a time. Because a civil engineer is building these buildings and you hear oh, wow. about engineering failures. And that's pretty traumatizing wow. to hear as an 18-year-old, right? that that's the profession that you're going into. Wow. Um, so we had classes on failures. And I think just learning time and time again with life experience that when you do have a failure, if you learn from it and you're able to grow from it and, and do better the next time, then it served a purpose. Um, if it didn't and you keep making the same mistakes over and over again, right. you know, then there's something broke that you need to fix. But and, and tell me more about how this opportunity now has integrated into your life. How long have you been with the company? Um, what are your aspirations for the company? Uh, it's integrated into my life. I've been with the company for about a year and a half now. And how many people work? There's four oh, of us. Okay. So we're really right now in the startup stage. Um, nice. We're doing a seed round of fundraising right now. Uh, and that, so I'm in the middle of that, which is an interesting experience in and of itself, especially not coming from a financial background, but that's where it comes in that you, you know, really learn things that you may not have known before, right. but you feel confident that you can figure it out. <laughs> totally. So uh, I've been with the company for about a year and a half. I had to relocate back to Los Angeles from Israel where I was living. But now, I, why did you have to? 
Uh, the companies built here, the other three, uh, my other three co-founders uh, live in Los Angeles. They had actually developed the technology itself before I came on board. And I came on board to really work with them to commercialize the technology and to build the company. Cool. Yeah. And who is your target market? Uh, our target market are uh, industrial customers um, that do advanced water treatment using reverse osmosis or nanofiltration processes. We optimize those processes using our instrumentation and our software that we build. Um, so industrial customers like semiconductor uh, producers, food and beverage, pharmaceutical, uh, also power plants. Can you break it down for someone that knows nothing about your industry? Like, Yes. Yes. <laughs> Go for it. Um, so basically, a lot of water treatment uh, is done using a process that's called reverse osmosis or nanofiltration. Um, that technology is typically uh, in our everyday vernacular known as desalination, uh, which is just taking salts and different types of contaminants out of water. But desalination isn't just for seawater like we hear in the news all the time. That, t that process can actually be applied across any industry, um, cleaning water for agricultural purposes, uh, for wastewater reuse, uh, for power plants, like I mentioned, for all these various industrial processes. Um, all of those processes use various different types of water treatment. A very popular one is reverse osmosis and nanofiltration. What that is, is basically you take water and you push it very high pressure through this tube that's called a pressure vessel. Right. Uh, and, you, and in that tube are a whole number of membranes uh, and so what happens is the water goes through the membranes and the membranes catch any sort of biofouling particles, mineral salts, uh, so that those don't end up in your produced water that you use for whatever it is, whether it's drinking water afterwards or for your power plants and so on. Uh, and so the problem with that process is that you can't actually see the membranes as the water is being pushed through. So you don't know when your membranes are getting clogged up. Like, uh, your AC in your house, or, and there's so many, a strainer when you're trying to strain different liquids through it. But imagine that you can't see it, so you don't know what the status is of that critical piece of your whole treatment process. Um, and so as a result of that, operators of these types of systems end up operating uh, very conservatively, producing less water than they otherwise could be, uh, wasting membranes, they overdose chemicals, uh, waste energy, um, because it's a process that's basically what we call like a black box process. Uh, they're estimating membrane health. Um, so what we're doing is we have a system that is actually uh, able to look at the membrane under operation in real time uh, and so can give that information to operators. They can see the membrane surface and we use machine learning to actually categorize what's building up on the membrane surface, whether it's uh, fouling coming in from seawater, whether it's salts um, that are in the water. And then we just give this very simple output to operators about how they should be operating their plant and cut operating costs, cut waste, increase produced water. Um, so it's really very advanced technology that's used in a lot of different industries. Water and construction, which is also in my background, tend to be very conservative industries uh, and slower to adopt to different kinds of technologies. So this is the first time that this type of technology is being introduced into this market. And in one year's time, where where would you like to see the company? Uh, I would like to see us making very good use of a closed seed round of investment uh, and building up our sales and marketing efforts and really having this uh, product in rolling out to different uh, reverse osmosis plants across the United States. And have you had mentorships or like guidance along the way that has helped you get to where you are? 
I uh, am one of those that uses mentors and uh, and uh, colleagues and and uh, and also you know give back in that capacity to the, the younger generation all the time. I believe in really uh, everything being a collaborative effort, and I think part of where that comes from is. I didn't have this kind of hesitation to approach people to ask for help. I grew up with a professor as a father, uh, and my mother's an attorney. And uh, so when I went to college and to graduate school, uh, I had grown up with my father's colleagues babysitting me. So I certainly wasn't scared to walk into their office and ask for help. You're talking about people's time that other people pay hundreds, if not thousands of dollars for. And I could go in and sit with them and pick their brains from experts in their field. And so from there and, and onward, I always engaged people that uh, I looked up to and that I thought, you know, knew things that I didn't know that I could look for, uh, that I could learn from uh, and asked them to, and very formally actually asked, you know, would you mind being my mentor for this capacity for this period of time? Yeah. Um, so that it's, uh, you know, kind of stated what my intentions are. And you said fundraising has been a new process. Yes. What have you learned about it so far? <laughs> Stick around. We'll be right back after the break. The best business resource I have is my mentor's private Facebook group. I've never found a community that cares more about one another's success. It inspired me to create the same thing for podcasters. If you're a tech company or startup looking to grow your podcast audience, I created GetPodcastListeners.com, a private group specifically to discover how other podcasters have grown their audiences so we could do the same. Check out GetPodcastListeners.com. That's GetPodcastListeners.com. And you said fundraising has been a new process. Yes. What have you learned about it so far? I have learned that when I thought that it was important to be able to break down technical concepts for other people to understand for commercializing a technology, it's way more important to be able to do that when you're fundraising. Um, People uh, that are investing money, uh, venture capital or private equity or uh, angel investors, um, you know, they are looking across such a broad spectrum of, uh, you know, of different types of technologies in different industries. Uh, You really have to be able to break it down quite concisely. And that can be hard to do, especially when you're in industrial technology. Totally. Yeah. I know nothing about industrial technology, (laughs) but I believe you. (laughs) I do know a lot about industrial technology and it's still pretty difficult. (laughs) Where do you find your network to not go through this alone? A number of places. Uh, Former colleagues, also through uh, a couple of accelerators that I've been through. Uh, I've been through the Imagine H2O Accelerator, which is an accelerator program for water technology companies. It's based out of San Francisco. So they've really been instrumental in bringing the you know, tech ecosystem for water to the forefront of people's minds, whether it's incumbents and big giants that are in the industry or to the minds of investors and helped incubate a lot of really interesting technologies uh, and help advance them in the space. Um, And so uh, either the staff there have been mentors of mine or they've connected me with people that um, would provide good mentorship and also uh, locally here in Los Angeles through the uh, Los Angeles Clean Tech Incubator. Um, So that's over in downtown L.A., I wasn't a portfolio company of theirs um, through Noria, but through the previous company that I was with and made some good connections there. And my mentors from there have continued to be my mentors today. Nice. Yeah. I have three last questions. Okay. One, mm-hmm. best piece of advice you've ever gotten. So it's a saying that we used to have in construction 
uh, on site, the superintendents would all, all say, uh, you plan the work and then you work the plan. Um, so meaning that huh. you like that. really need to start out with a plan or with a blueprint and then that's your big, your big idea, your strategy. And then you need to go along all of the little tiny steps and intricacies of whatever you're doing on a day-to-day basis, some of which seem super annoying. Uh, and, but you need to go through that exercise in order to actually build whatever it is you were planning to do. And next question. One question that I love asking is, what's a huge obstacle that you've successfully overcome and how did you overcome it? Um, I think since, you know, we're talking uh, about startups and also specifically my own experience as a woman, you know, it's really been that for the majority of my career working in construction, technology, startup ecosystem, I would say 90 percent of the time I'm the only woman in the room. And so long before I've been doing this for about 15 years, uh, you know, long before there's been this more recent movement um, of uh, empowering women, which is really wonderful. But we had to figure out you know, how to deal with that. And so for a long time, just figuring out how to negotiate, how to have a strong presence, how to not be intimidated, um, to understand and really pick up those nuances of uh, when you're being kind of discriminated against or talked down to and how to handle those situations. That's been very challenging. But I think that I've successfully navigated it. And I try to pass that on to, you know, any of the women that I'm in contact with. Something that's, uh, you know, important to me and near and dear to my heart is that uh, I think it's just really important to uh, to kind of look at uh, what what tech is really talking about, because tech can be applied to anything right to consumer products, to industrial products, uh, to different types of processes. And uh, one of the things that I found working in the tech world is that there's still um, kind of a lot of stereotype of women, uh, you know, women's kind of place being more uh, related to consumer products uh, and not so much industrial infrastructure, uh, you know, biomedical, some of the harder sciences or uh, STEM areas. And I think it's just really important to note that some things that are uh, kind of stereotypically very feminine, like emotional intelligence and working well in groups, uh, being able to plan things are critical uh, you know, critical attributes for really any area in any industry. And so I really would encourage women who uh, have skill sets that could be applied in industrial verticals, uh, in the infrastructure world, that that's not off limits to you. Just because you don't see a lot of representation uh, doesn't mean that that's not somewhere that you can go, that you can work, that you can enjoy. I've had a great career so far and I see a great career ahead of me. Uh, and it's just really a lot of fun. Awesome. Yeah. Do you uh, have a book that has really moved you professionally or personally? It doesn't matter. One of the more recent books that I read that I really enjoyed was Homo Deus. It's uh, an Israeli professor that uh, is looking into historically the uh, evolution of, of mankind and breaking it down into different kind of eons. But he does it with a lot of humor. And so I've and then he in Homo Deus, it's his second book. Uh, where he then talks about um, his projection of what mankind is going to become. And so I'm in the middle of that right now, and I I really enjoy his writing. Nice. And how can people connect with you if they want to send you a message online, email or LinkedIn or social media channels? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I sound so like 2015. Email is great. Sivan, S-I-V-A-N at noriawater.com. That's N-O-R-I-A water.com. Uh, or through LinkedIn, you can look me up uh, with uh, Sivan Sydney S I D N E Y Cohen C O H E N. 
Perfect. Sivan, thank you so much for hanging out with the Women in Tech podcast, for literally being my inaugural like guest in my new studio as my nerves are like spiking out of my solar system. <laughs> it's been really wonderful to support and to celebrate you. If you want to connect and collaborate with more incredible women in tech around the world, remember to go to the Women in Tech Facebook group at womenintechvip.com. Womenintechvip.com takes you straight there. Say hello on social at Women in Tech Show on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook. I will see you guys, talk to you guys, hear you guys in the next episode. Bye. Hi, my name is Sivan Cohen. I'm the CEO of Noria Water Technologies, where we're developing real-time membrane monitoring for optimization of industrial processes. We're based in Los Angeles, California, and you are listening to Women in Tech. If you too want to connect and collaborate with more incredible women in tech, remember you can go to the Women in Tech Facebook group at womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. We're so proud of what we've created with the Women in Tech podcast. To support us in our journey to celebrating women in tech around the world, go to womenintech.fm and click on the donation link on the right side of the page. That's womenintech.fm. The donation link is the top right side of the page. We really appreciate you being a part of our journey and we look forward to celebrating so many more women to come. The Women in Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Adam Carroll. Show notes by Carl Marty. And music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The Women in Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.